Hey there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Jamie Hampton, and I cannot tell you how excited and thankful I am to get to be here today with our guest, Bianca Juarez Olthoff. Bianca is a best selling author, an absolutely anointed speaker, and church planter, and founder of ministries. Um, she does all the things, and her passion for Jesus and sharing about Jesus with others is contagious. So I'm so excited to have you here, Bianca. Thanks for taking time to join us to talk about all, all of your, all of your things. <laughs> Jamie, what a privilege it is. And I don't want to just talk about all the things that I'm doing. I would love that we can just create like a, a delicious sauce that can go on to, on top of everything that you guys have sewn into this community. And it's a privilege to be here. So like, let's make it fun and let's make it delicious. <laughs> okay. That sounds good to me. Sounds good. Well, before, so kind of a big part of of the questions today are going to revolve around your your book Grit Don't Quit Develop, developing resilience and faith when giving up isn't an option mm. um but i told you earlier that i i absolutely loved your book um play with fire that oh, was just amazing so there are all kinds of things that that yeah that we're going to talk about today but before we get into the good stuff we like to ask all of our guests what is your favorite prayer closet so where do you like to go it could be <laughs> off the wall it could be really traditional where do you like to meet with god okay so honestly um i i don't ever since i was a kid i've had a thing with closets i don't know how it started but i would just lose myself almost kind of like in this like surreal I'm pretending Narnia closet. And so I just yep. would close the closet door and I'm not talking about like big closets. I'm talking about like, like tiny closets. I would just like hole up in there and then close the door. Well, I never really lost that. And so now as an adult in my, in my current home, I, I have a little bit more space. It's, it's actually a walk-in closet. And so, and my husband will attest to this. I go into my walk-in closet, lay on the floor and like, just pray, cry, celebrate, whatever it is. So my prayer closet is literally my closet. <laughs> I love it's my that. favorite place. Yes. I always think of the the movie The War Room and the literal closet that Priscilla Shire goes into and like Do you, you know, want to know I haven't seen that movie? <gasps> I stop stop don't judge me. Don't judge me. I know. But here's the thing, girl, where do I find it? Like what what platform is it on? It's not that in is, theaters. That is such a good question. See? Thank that's you. I, people I'm have been gonna... talking about it. You listen, listen, that's your homework assignment. It your is. thank you gift is just literally just a hug when we meet in person and then let me know where to see this stinking film. Cause I, I actually like legit, it. I legit want to see it. So it yes. is so good. It is I've so heard good. that. I've heard yeah. that. No, it's great. I will find that for you. Cause I feel like I need to pause and get it right now, but we'll, I'll do it later. But that <laughs> is just, it's, it's such a good, such a good movie, but she has a literal prayer closet with like, she does. Um, well, and her mentor also, her, her mentor, Miss Clara, I think has, has this little room with like all of these, like the list of all the prayers and yeah. Well, my podcast, we, we joke in our home that my podcast studio in air quotes is it's, it's literally a closet. So this it. is my prayer closet <laughs> and my podcast closet. It's great for audio and acoustics, but not so great for elbow room and being able to move around freely. <laughs> it's great. I love it. <laughs> well, I want to talk. So in, in play with fire, you talk about your mom and you talk about her in, in, in both of these books, but, um, but you talk about your mom and the prayer list that you remember 
from your childhood. And I just really want to hear about that. Can you talk a little bit about your mom and the influence that she has had on your career? Wow. You are taking me back to 2016 when I wrote that book. And God, that's one of my favorite mom memories. Um, So a little bit of context. I was raised in a loving Christian family. And uh, my parents made a decision. We lived in a um, in an urban environment, aka the hood. It was a little ghetto. And uh, but my parents made a conscious decision that we were going to be a one income family, so that my mom can be with us and raise us. And the schools in the area were not good, and so they made a decision to home educate us. My parents really wanted to invest like spiritual disciplines in our lives from a very young age, and so uh, we didn't have a whole lot growing up, except we had a whole lot of faith. And so my mom. Um, instilled in us the power of prayer from a very young age. And uh, this was um, in our community when, when summer broke from school, some of the teachers would just get rid of their school supplies. Well, we didn't have a whole lot of money. So uh, when we were on a, like a neighborhood walk, my mom saw like construction paper, butcher paper, crayons, all this other stuff in dumpster bins near the school. And she said, come on guys, let's get some fun supplies. So I remember vividly grabbing a roll of discarded butcher paper. I mean, it was, it was new, but it was like, like small leftover reams, you know? And so we pulled that. And then my mom said, grab all the crayons that they had dismantled and or had discarded. And then we took off the, the wrappers from the crayons and then we melted them down and made new crayons and like cupcake tins and stuff. And so my mom had this idea. She said, you know, scripture says that you have not because you ask not. James tells us that we can come to God and we can ask for anything and and, and he's going to give us what we what we desire as long as it's according to his will. And so she taped butcher paper onto the kitchen door and we just started making a prayer list. And it was an audacious prayer list. It started with grandpa's salvation, my Puerto Rican grandfather, a hard, callous man, did not love the Lord, did not believe in religion or in Christianity or in Jesus. So he topped our list. And also we didn't, we didn't have food in our refrigerator. And so one of the things that made the list was that the Lord would provide food for us. And another thing on that list, uh, we saw, this is, this is going to, date me, but Toyota had a van and the van was called a Previa. It looked like an egg. You know, it was like the shape of an egg. Yes. Um, do you remember the Toyota Previa? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So in our growing family, I saw a billboard of a Toyota Previa and I was like, that's the dream car. And so we all said, Lord, we want a, a Toyota Previa, like the one that's on the billboard off the freeway. And it was wow. maroon. So, I mean, girl, I mean, we, we just listed everything. Okay. So we made the prayer list and I know I'm going to sound like an after school special. I'm going to sound like crazy, but after we wrote out the list and we prayed over the list, I'm not even kidding you. The same day, there's a knock at our door from our neighbor, Valentina, and Valentina had lemon trees. And so she'd always bring us over lemons and my mom would make lemonade. And so um, she brought over a box that we thought was lemons and there was lemons in it, but there was also um, government issued cheese, a loaf of stale bread, government issued uh, butter and um, some canned soup. It was like Campbell's canned soup. My mom took it and and, and our neighbor Valentina was like, oh, here, you know, I thought of you guys. I just thought I was going to drop this over to you. In hindsight, maybe our neighbor Valentina knew how poor we were because this is how poor you are when your neighbors give you their government issued food because they're poor (laughs) to get that food. You must be so poor. Okay, well, either maybe she didn't want it, maybe she didn't need it, or maybe she just saw our need. I don't know. But that day, 
Jamie, my mom made grilled cheese sandwiches and tomato soup and nothing. When the Bible says taste and see that the Lord is good, let me tell you what the Lord tastes like. The Lord tastes like this bomb government issued cheese, grilled cheese sandwich, because you've never had cheese. People are like, I have fromage from France. Honey, sit down, because if you've never had government issued cheese melted down into a gorgeous, delectable grilled cheese, you've not lived, okay? So on that day, it was just, it was so amazing to literally sit around the dinner table and my mom say, we pray to the Lord and he provided our God cares about us. It was, it was such a moment, but now, I mean, if you thought that was crazy and the Lord is good, you'd stand and give God some glory. The maroon Previa van that we prayed for, Jamie, Jamie, let me tell you, this is not in the book. This is just like another fun. It's funsy. not. I'm waiting because no, no, I'm like, you okay. didn't put that in the book. <laughs> no. So my dad was a church planner. We didn't have a car. Somebody let my dad borrow a Chinook. What's a Chinook? A Chinook is like a baby, like, um, what is that? What's that camper trailer? Like mobile home, Mo not mobile home. What's that? Like an RV, RV. It's like a mini RV. Okay. So this guy from church, let us borrow a mini RV. It's used for camping. We use it as our family's transportation, Jamie. Okay. So here's, here's our, the Waddis family coming to church and we would pull off the freeway. And we always saw this previa. Well, there was a guy that was attending my dad's church and he worked for a repossession lot. And he told my dad, he's like, Hey, you know, I know that you guys are borrowing George's car. If you're ever interested in a car, I actually have access to repossess cars, but if you want a repossessed car, you have to come that day and you have to have cash for it. So my dad's like, that's great. So we started praying and, and saving, praying and saving. One day he called my dad and all of us got in the Chinook, got in the mini you know, RV, drove down to the repo center. Jamie, do you want to know what car was for sale in our budget? A maroon Toyota Previa, baby. <laughs> and my mom said, God hears our prayers. But the best one, the best one on that entire list is that I know that my grandfather, Juan Mendez, will be, oh, I have a lump in my throat, will be with the Lord in heaven. I know, I, I mean, I know that I will see him. He is now with Jesus. But one of the greatest things off that prayer list is that grandpa said yes to Jesus. And from that very young age, Mama taught me the power of prayer and it hasn't left me. And now I'm still encouraging people from our church, make the prayer list. Jamie, once a year, at the end of every year, I do a gratitude list of the Lord. It's like two pages long. And then I just have a prayer list for the next year. What my mom taught me at the age of eight, it still rings true at the age of 25. Jamie. No, just kidding. I'm 40. But all these years later, you look 25. Oh, I love you. I love you. I love that the Zoom camera hides a multitude of sin and wrinkles. So that's great. <laughs> well, Bianca, that is, that is beautiful. And I didn't even know the, the Toyota story because that is just like icing on the cake. But I mean, it's not only putting those things, you know, like putting those needs before God, but writing it down is powerful. Yeah. And that visual of the butcher paper. And I mean, you'll never forget that. Never. And never. Um, yeah. And, and I think it's a reminder that like, I mean, I know that for me, I, I would never think to ask for a specific car. I would just think, no, God, God's not, not going to do that. I mean, you know, sure. Just a car or a mode of transportation, but you prayed a bold prayer of the specific car. And, and color, like, Jamie, and, and the color. We said that maroon Toyota Previa. And you want to know it's so funny? It's like when the Lord moves on your behalf and you see him do these things. And like, I mean, let's make this biblical and then we'll make this practical. Gideon, 
Gideon um, was a mighty warrior. The Lord called him a mighty warrior, even though he was cowering and he didn't want to go to war. The irony, the Bible's full of irony. I think irony is hilarious. And so here's this mighty warrior who's cowering. He's like, God, give me a sign. When we don't think that God cares about the details, then we don't know our God. Because Gideon not asked for one sign, not two signs, but three signs. And they were so insane. Lord, I'm going to put a sheepskin and I'm going to wake up tomorrow. And if the grass is wet and the sheepskin is dry, that's the sign you want me to go to war. The Lord answers. And then, the, then Gideon's like, well, I'm not sure. So this time I want the sheepskin to be the wool to be wet and with the grass to be dry. And the Lord answers him again. And I think sometimes we think that God doesn't care about our prayers. My mom, what my mom taught me, I now want to teach others. So in church, I taught um, an ask, seek, knock, this prayer that the Lord encourages the disciples to pray. And I taught that story and I told the story about the butcher paper. Well, it's so motivated a woman in our church by the name of Trisha, that Trisha took her and her son, Robert, through the same activity. She's a single mom owning her own home cleaning business. And she told Robert, like we, she's a widow. She said, we, we, we need God to show up. So she made a list. And on that list was that Robert would be able to go to a missions trip to, I don't know, it was somewhere in Latin America, like Bolivia or something. It was like thousands of dollars. I, I just want to say that when God answers you on your behalf, it's not just for you, but it's for generations of people who will see God's faithfulness in your life and believe that God will be faithful in their life. Because Trisha Rester is now Trisha Rizzo. She found an amazing man who comes to church. Um, Robert, her son, was able to go to the missions trip because our church was able to gather people from our community, our small groups, and pay for Robert to go. So we just see the faithfulness of God multiply, multiply, multiply. And I want to encourage people you have not because you ask not. God cares about the details. James says you have not because you ask not. But when you ask, you ask amiss. So if we come up here and we're like, Lord, give me a Ferrari and give me, you know, an old rich guy with a trust fund who's about to kick the bucket. Like he's not going to answer that. You know what I'm saying? So we, we, we ask God what we want. We pray according to his will. And if it's God's will, he's going to say yes. But you don't know if the Lord's providing for you if you don't have the courage to ask ask, yes. write it out so that when God gives it to you, you will, you will have such a gratitude for it and say, I asked for this and my good God showed up. Oh, amen. Amen to that. I love it. Well, to shift gears to your, your new book, Grit Don't Quit. What was it that inspired you to write this book and who is it for? Mm. So I think I'm looking at our day and age. I'm looking at our culture and I see so many people. Um, we've gotten very accustomed to a tap, a touch and a swipe. I can get Instacart, bring groceries to my house. I have Amazon Prime that's dropping it off with the doorbell. You know what all my friends are doing at all times of the day. Like we want it now and we don't get it now. We feel like that's oppression and it's a sign that I'm not supposed to do it. Where I feel like so many of the characters of the Bible, we see time and time again, that they trusted in God and God asked them to do insane things and they didn't give up. Uh, I, I don't mention this specifically in the Bible, but there's a character in the Bible. I, I don't, I don't mention this specifically in the book, but there's a character in the Bible by the name of Noah and Noah for 120 years, he cut down trees. He sawed wood. He put a hammer and or nails or this thing that was like a tar. It was like a pitch. Every single day, he cut down trees. He sawed wood. He hammered and put on pitch on to build what is an ark, something he had never seen before day after day after day after day. And to the world, that's insanity. 
But when push came to shove, he knew that he heard from God. And I want to see people who feel like I'm tired. I want to quit. I feel like God has not come through. I can't do this. I'm not strong enough. I want us to take a look at what God has called us to do and view that as impossible because it is. But look what he's called us to do and know that he's given us his spirit and his strength to do it. And so though you might feel knocked down, you're not knocked out. I just want to whisper over people and say, if you are not dead, God is not done. Get back up. Get back up. Get back up. The spirit of God, as Romans 10 tells us, the same spirit that resurrected Jesus from the grave is alive in you. You, you and your strength, fine. I'll give it to you. Maybe you feel like you can't get up. But you plus Jesus equals everything. So for the person out there who feels like, I want to walk away from this job. I want to walk away from this church. I want to walk away from this marriage. I want to walk away from parenting. I don't want to walk away from this friendship. I want to walk away. I just want to quit. We know what quitting feels like. Do we know what staying feels like? Because so many times it's just easy to throw in the towel and then we lose the benefit. We lose the rich benefit of developing this thing called resilience, this thing called grit. And the most successful people aren't the wealthiest, aren't the most beautiful, aren't the smartest. The most successful people are the people who know how to take a licking and keep on ticking. It's called resilience. So though the Bible doesn't use the word grit or resilience, the Bible does use perseverance and endurance. And very clearly, every character... Point out any character in the Bible, and I will tell you, that is a person who was walking in the will of God. That is a person who had grit and resilience because they persevered and endured. And so what I want to do is I don't want to talk in ethereal terms and say, oh, don't give up. I actually want to give people practical handles based out of the life of Paul, based out of neuroscience, and based out of personal story that will encourage us to have an actual guide. What do I do when I want to quit? What do I do when I want to quit? And how do I stay the course? Because as Eugene Peterson said, this is long obedience in the same direction. That's how we walk in the will of God. And I just would love for people to feel like, wait a minute, I can't get back up. I'm resilient. I love that long obedience in the same direction. And oh, I wish that was my line. As a writer, I'm like, dang, that's so good, Eugene Peterson. I love you. But you you get credit for quoting him, so for sure for <laughs> using it in the right place because it it really is good. And but what I I absolutely love in your book, you bring up the fact that some people will listen to this message or listen to you talking about it and be like, okay, yeah, that's all well and good, but I'm just I'm not a resilient person. I know so and so in my life is really resilient. She can bounce back or he can bounce back. So what do you have to say to that person that? doesn't consider themselves resilient or herself resilient. Do you know that that's how the book started? I mean, that's such a great question because literally that's how the book started. So I sat across a coffee table from um, a, a woman from church and I live, uh, I live in a place called Orange County, California. And, and the church that we used to be a part of my husband, and I now we planted a church um, about four years ago, but the church that he was on staff at beautiful, amazing community, very affluent, very wealthy. And I sat across from her at this table and she was going through divorce. And she said, I just, I want to fall asleep and not wake up. I just, I don't want to do this anymore. I feel like everything, my entire life and everything that I have built is all for naught. And I, and I looked at her and she looked at me and she said, I'm just not like you. I didn't have to go through what you went through. And like, that's why you're resilient. And it took me a little bit by surprise because she knows my past. So I grew up in East Los Angeles, California. I have like a, a very uh, different upbringing, like I kind of mentioned uh, before. And so it made me think, 
wait a minute, is resilience something that people are born with or a skill that can be cultivated? Is grit something that people um, have gotten because they were raised in poverty or does it also apply to people of privilege? So I went on this whole like rabbit chase of like, what is grit and how do we build it? And what I discovered through neuroscience, through personal story, through just general scientific data and research is that grit is something that you could actually build in yourself. This is not for you know, a certain person from a different demographic. This is not for somebody who had privilege or didn't have privilege. No, this is for all of us. And so the choice isn't like, okay, I'm just not a resilient person. I'm just not born with that. It's not a genetic trait. It's actually something. It's a discipline. Well, what is discipline? In its simplest form, Jamie, it's a choice. Yeah. It's a choice. I'm going to choose. I, I love what scripture says, that the joy of the Lord is my strength. I am going to choose to get up and I'm strong because it is the joy of the Lord of, is my strength. And if you're not experiencing joy right now, I love what scripture says that in the presence of God is fullness of joy. So sometimes, Jamie, I'll be honest with you in this season of my life, it feels like it feels like I'm living a dumpster fire and I am choosing every single day, Lord, your in your presence is fullness of joy. And, and, and there's joy in knowing you and there's joy. You, you Lord are my strength. So though everything looks like it's going to hell in a handbasket, I am choosing to serve you. I'm choosing to believe that you are good, that you will do good and good will come out of whatever season I'm in right now. And you want to know something, Jamie, I just, I don't believe that that's a message that's spoken about enough. We, we are in a season right now where I want to, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to reverse engineer it, but we're in a season where people love to coddle. We love to say, I'm triggered and you can leave and oh, you had a bad day. You can quit your job. Your boss told you you were late because you got Starbucks. That's not persecution. That's irresponsibility. You know, we're living <laughs> in a culture right now where it's just, we've made so many excuses to be, to excuse bad behavior or bad decisions. And I'm tired of that. We are mature. We are equipped. We are called. We are sanctified warriors. We are chosen children of the most high God called to tear down strongholds as first Peter two, five tells us. So why are we walking around like victims now? Now I'm going to pause and say, and I even do this in the book. There is a disclaimer. I love the Kenny Rogers quote. You got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. So there is a caveat. Yes. You're going to hear me say, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. But I also have done a lot of therapy work and, and have sought the Lord. And I want to make sure that there's a balance to this. There are wonderful moments where we have to end something, whether that's through abuse, whether that's through infidelity, or maybe it's just a broken contract or a season change. I want to be, I, I'm holding this, of course, very loosely, but I really am pushing the concept of what does it look like if we stay the course and obey what God has called us? to do. That's where I want to push people because this concept of obedience isn't something that we're holding on to. You know, we, we, we choose offense and we walk away from a church. We choose irritation and, 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 and feeling like, oh, everyone's against me. And we walk away from core friendships that are actually not calling you out. They're calling you up. Mm. It's just so oh, easy to good. walk away. And so what I want us to do is like evaluate what are the areas in my life that I need to build so that I'm not just a weak willed person that just wants to throw in the towel that I am strong. And it's not just me. It's the spirit of God in me that allows me to be an overcomer. See, we love that verse, you know, 
I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. Well, do you know that a conqueror has to conquer things? You know that an overcomer has to overcome things? You know that a survivor has to survive things? See, we love the end story. We love the part where Goliath is slayed, but we don't like the part of extreme obedience of taking care of stinky sheep on the backside of the desert. We don't like throwing stones at lions to protect sheep. Oh, but gosh, we love when we get to be seen as the one that slays Goliath. For people who want to slay Goliath, it starts by taking care of sheep. Can we talk about that? Can we talk about long obedience in the same direction to really produce the fruits that we want to see in our life? Um, That only grit will get you. Oh, that is all so good. And I mean, I really, I I absolutely see where you're coming from with bringing this message of grit, you know, obviously the disclaimer, but because our culture is so unresilient right now, like it feels like, mm-hmm. or at least pointing us toward permission to be extremely unresilient mm-hmm. at times. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious about, you know, you kind of touched on body of Christ. Um, I mean, the entire Bible is, I think in the book, you talk about how all of the yous are pretty much plural. Like we're meant to live in community and, but it's so hard. And, and a quote from, this is a quote from you, not from anybody else where there's multiplication, there is division. And Mm -hmm. so I'm certain you've seen this in church planting as well Mm -hmm. as, you know, all of us in different parts of being part of the body of Christ. Um, so how, practically, maybe just first step or series of steps, how practically could you give us advice on persevering in relationships or in relationship within the body of Christ when it gets hard, when it gets really hard? So, so I don't want to deter you. I'm going to answer that question, but first I'm going to provide like some, some handles. So I actually walked our church through this. So relationships in adulthood are very hard. I mean, I'm sure that you you know this. So when we are in high school or in college, we have uh, similar life stages and similar life experiences. We're together Monday through Friday. And, you know, we don't like Mrs. Jones because she's a hard teacher, but I'll see you on Friday night lights at the football game. And and then we're all going through like crushes on guys and girls and heartbreak. So we have very similar shared experiences and an exact ecosystem of friendship. When we go into college or beyond, all of that changes. We don't see the same people five days a week. Our life stages change. Some people get married. Some people choose not to get married. Some people have kids. Some people get a different job. So what happens is that it's really hard to determine who's my friend and what is a friend. So I'm going to answer that question. But first, I'm going to kind of help. This helped me in evaluating um, my expectations of friends and what is realistic. So I put them into three categories. You're going to have, this is the largest and the longest category. And these are what I uh, would consider casual friends. You could have lots of casual friends. You see them at the office, or maybe you say hi to them at the gym. You might follow them on social media. It's very casual. The expectation of them for you in your life is very low and equal for them. Um, Maybe, maybe you might go to like an event together, maybe a concert, maybe you might see them at church, or maybe you're in a community group. That is a casual friend. Expectation is very low. Vulnerability and transparency is very low. Then the next category, which is less, is close friends. Now, these are people that you might see once a week. You might text them often. These are people that you don't just follow on social media, but you actually engage with them. You might even travel. Maybe your kids are on the same sports team where you could find yourself having a level of transparency. Like, hey, can you keep me in prayer? This is what I'm going through. Or um, what can I do? Maybe they have a baby. You drop off a meal. That's a casual friend. And then the smallest of this category are your 
core friends. Um, I believe according to science that you can only manage like three to five core relationships. These are people that know you in and out. These are your ride or die. They're bailing you out of jail. They're praying with you through the night for a miraculous healing. Those are your click. All right. And so when we talk about, you know, multiplication and division, all the other stuff, sometimes we have put people in a close category or a core category, but they're really just a casual friend. And so it might be like you're expecting something from them that they don't know or that they're not willing to give. And sometimes it's just an evaluation. As, as an adult, I'll be honest with you, Jamie, there's been people that have been in my core. They were my core friends, but they're not maintaining the um, the responsibility of being a core friend. Now, I'm not going to tell them, I'm not going to DM them or text them and say, you are moving into the casual group. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to make a scene. Um, but I am going to just in my mind say, this is my level of expectation that I could expect from them. And this is what they could expect from me. And one time, this only happened one time, um, a friend of mine did sense that there was a little bit of a distance. And then I was able to have a very honest conversation. So now I'm going to answer your question. What do we do? Where there's multiplication, there's division, especially within church. We're talking about uh, not just friendship, a spirit spiritual family as well. And this person was part of the church that I um, was attending at the time. And she said, I just, I just feel like there's a distance between us. I feel like, you know, all this other stuff. What I appreciate is she busted out Matthew 18, 15. When your brother or sister offends you, you go directly to them. I love that. And so I have to applaud her. So how do we remove um, the spirit of offense? How do we remove gossip? We go directly to the source. And she did just that. Now the onus is on me to be really honest with her and say, you know what? And, and I told her, I said, I, I feel like I've been vulnerable. I feel like I've shown up for you in really great spaces. I've tried being available for you financially, emotionally, spiritually. And I just felt like it was a little one-sided. So to protect me and to protect any resentment that I felt like I was building towards you, I just realized like our place in relationship. And she said, you know what? Thank you for your honesty. I'm sorry I've let you down in this season of life. This is what I have capacity for. And I said, I see it. I love it. I respect it. Thank you for your honesty. And that was it. And to be honest with you, she moved from a close friend than to a casual friend, or actually an acquaintance, because we both realized we couldn't give each other what we what we needed, and that season ended. So no more head trips, no more drama, any of that stuff. We want to listen, girl. Our life is so dramatic. We don't need more girl drama. We don't need friend drama. You know. So sometimes. And what a mature person will do is go and approach the person. Now, that was a really, really great way to end that friendship. But there are moments where it's not going to be like that. And we have to know we're going to try our best. But there could be residual fallout. There could be some shrapnel of a broken relationship. That's okay. This is adulthood. We're just not going to give the enemy room to divide us. Because no matter what, we're a spiritual family. And so let's figure out a way forward. And whatever way that this works for both of us, we could love each other from a distance, wave and high five when we see each other at church. But no, that's, that season of our friendship has graduated to something else. Yeah. And I think that honesty, I mean, it's it's not easy. And it's especially, I mean, I know I I avoid conflict at all costs. And Me too. I have What's to your have- Enneagram number? So I've sort of, I've listened, I've never actually taken an official okay. test. I've, okay. I've looked and I think I might be the one that like, where pursuing peace is like my- Oh, peacemaker, thing. nine. What's okay. that one? Okay. A nine. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know for sure, but I- Conflict avoided. Myself yep. as a nine. I don't know. <laughs> I know I've got that in me though, because I do, I look all around me and I'm like, 
I will do almost anything to keep the peace, even if it's detrimental to myself or others sometimes, which is <laughs> awful. So I, I love that challenge because the stakes are not just my comfort level or being afraid of offending someone else or disrupting their comfort level. It's letting the enemy win or lose. Like that's what it boils down to is Satan is at work and anything that's covered up in the dark, anything that's kept under wraps, any level of isolation causes festering and it causes damage to the kingdom of God. And I mean, that's what the stakes are. And so I've had to kind of look at my motivations in dealing with people and situations and just recognize that the stakes aren't just me and my comfort level or my quest for peace. Like that's mm -hmm. not what it's about. It's about loving people, even when it means having tough conversations yeah. um, and being obedient to God and, and absolutely exposing any attempts that the enemy may make at division in the body of Christ. Cause that's yeah. so important yeah. not to have. Yeah. Yeah. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Um, so I have another, so you've, you've got this backdrop of this amazing story of the prayer list with your mom and your family and all of these immediate answers to prayer or not too far off at answers to prayer. But I love that in, in your new book, Grit Don't Quit, you have this, this anecdote of it, it's a story of this terrible day where you had this huge presentation and you <laughs> discover that your daughter has lice. And it just, it, and you, you obviously are praying for God to intervene, but the day does not go well. And it, it has some consequences for work. Um, it would be easy, I think, for many of us to interpret that, especially if you hear a story about, about people with these immediate answers to prayer and to be like, but wait, God, you've abandoned me. I prayed that you would help me get through this and that yeah. work would go well, even though I had this hiccup in the morning and everything fell apart. Um, so what's what steps did you take and what can we take to be able to maintain faith and perspective, mm. even when our like really desperate prayers go unanswered? Yeah. So this is what I love. I'm going to make that I'm going to make sure that everyone who listens to the podcast, whether they get the book or not, has some practical handles to hold on to, because I just want to yes. give this information away. I would love free. that. So, so what I love is we are going to have moments of trial, trauma, and tribulation. Period. Full stop. Punto. The end. We are going to have moments where we just feel like, that's it. I can't take this trash. I am done. I quit. Whatever. Um, there's three P's of resilience. So I did a lot of uh, Harvard Business Review, did, did a lot on the study of resilience. And so I just curated and called a bunch of content. And I wanted to make it as simple as possible. So I listed the three P's of resilience. These are the three things that I think are wildly important for us to hold on to for those that just feel like I don't know what to do. I want to give up, but I don't know what to do. The first thing that we need to, to hold on to is perspective. Perspective. So when I talk about mindset and it being a choice, that's our perspective. All the bells in hell can be going off against you. And the truth of the matter is it probably they probably are. But yeah. our perspective is 
I'm going to choose to believe that God is good. He's working things out. This doesn't make sense, but this is happening for me. It's a perspective. So um, here's the difference between like a false sense of hope or delusion. You could be, um, I actually pulled some research from a POW, a prisoner of war, who started doing research on people who don't make it out of POW camps, prisoner of war camps. What he realized is that the people who had a wrong perspective said, we're going to get out next week. They're going to come for us next month. We'll be home by Christmas. So they were delusional. They didn't have a realistic approach of what their current reality was. What perspective helps us do is, is say, God is good. I know he's going to work this out for good. But right now, the reality is this sucks. This stinks. And, and I have to find a way to navigate this very hard terrain. That's perspective. That's perspective. After perspective, it's going to be a pivot. So one of the things that is wildly important and a huge hallmark for people who are resilient and gritty is the ability to pivot. We've heard the adage, when life gives you lemons, what do you do, Jamie? You make lemonade. Right. <laughs> I want to also add to that. When life gives you lemons, make lemonade and then plant the seeds. Ooh, because so your freedom, your breakthrough, your resilience isn't just for you. There's a generation in our wake that is saying, how did Jamie get back up after that trial? How did how did Jennifer decide that she was going to choose God after illness? Like, so they're wondering, they're wondering. It's the ability to pivot. So we're planting seeds and saying, you see that harvest? That's the faithfulness of God that I want you to hold on to as well. The ability to pivot, no matter what is thrown at you, you make it work. And then the third and final P is purpose. Now, this is the one where every non-Christian and Christian alike is going to be like, don't tell me to have my pain have a purpose because we've seen the memes. We have it on mugs. We get it. But the truth of the matter is the most resilient, the most gritty, the most strong people are those that will choose to find, choose to find the good. What I love, Genesis 50, 20, Joseph turns to his brothers after they sold him into slavery. They put him in a pit almost to kill him. They like took his coat from him. And after all of this, being thrown into prison, falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, I mean, having, serving people and, and being in prison, being elevated then to the second in command. He looks at his brothers after years of trauma, after years of neglect, and he says this, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Amen. Oh, Jamie, I want to have a generation of people that say, you know what? No matter what hell came to my doorstep, it didn't take me out. The enemy has tried to silence me. The enemy has tried to keep me quiet. The enemy has tried to make me sick. The enemy has tried to still kill and destroy. John, John 10, 10, the enemy has come to still kill and destroy. The thief has come to still kill and destroy. But God has come to give us life and life abundant. That's what I want for people. The abundant life isn't easy, baby. The abundant life is gritty. It's gritty. And I want to speak to the gritty men and the gritty women out there that are saying, come what may, I'm going to serve Jesus. Come what may, I'm not going to give up. Until my last dying breath, I will plead the name of Jesus and believe that he has a purpose even in my pain. Those are the hallmarks of resilient people. Oh, I love that. And, you know, I feel like when we get to heaven, we're not going to have these conflicts. We're not going to have mm. what I think of as these, you can look at them as, as kind of precious fleeting opportunities to stick it to Satan and be like, hello. Okay. She said well, it folks. She said it. Yes. <laughs> but you know, to, to just be like, even if you can't see a purpose in it to just say, but you're still good, God, I know you are. I can't see it. 
but I just, I just picture that being like in the spiritual world, being like the ultimate, like atomic bomb going off in, in the spiritual world, just sending Satan and his minions to flee. Because when we do that, it's, it's not only praising God and, and, you know, acknowledging God for who he is, which he deserves all the time, but it's in the face of these attacks, being able to look, look right down the barrel of the gun and be like, God is still good. And I mean, there's power in that, that we're not going to have an eternity. And, and so if we can like shift that perspective, that's, that's kind of how I dig deep during times when, when I feel like giving up, not that I don't Mm. give up plenty, Mm. but, um, but, but the times that I do find myself being resilient, it's, it's that thought that I hold on to. I'm like, this is my shot, like in this world for this fleeting time to stick it to the devil. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I have a burning question. We're getting kind of close to the end of our time, but I want to know about how you are a twin. I'm sure many of our listeners know that your sister, your identical twin sister, Jasmine, um, like that you guys, you had a, a kind of a special language when you were growing up. You're very close. <laughs> I remember a story about like you guys going skating and she hurt herself and you like, was that you that got hurt Jamie, Jamie, got hurt? Jamie, Jamie. I literally, it's funny that you bring this up. I literally was talking to Jasmine about it this week. Oh my gosh. So she broke her leg. It was our ninth birthday and our parents took us to Skate Junction because back in the day, skating was the thing. Oh, so, it was. Um, yes. So we went to Skate Junction and somebody uh, pushed her down or something. She broke her leg. Now I'm on the other side of the skate rink right. and I feel this shooting pain in my leg and I'm like limping over. My mom has red hair, gorgeous hair like you. And like, um, I I see her, 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 her auburn hair in the distance and I limp over to her. I said, mom, mom, my leg, my leg. And she said, will you stop it? Your sister broke her leg. I felt Jasmine. This happened again. This happened again. We were in college. Jasmine is has a phobia of needles. She'll be fine with me telling you these trademark secrets, but she's a phobia of needles. And we were in college and um, she fell down out coming out of the shower. She split her chin. She passed out, whatever. I took her to the emergency room and they wanted to do like vitals and put like liquids and stuff in her. Anyway, she was coming in and out of consciousness and that I saw the needle going to her arm and I was trying to tell the nurse she doesn't do needles when all of a sudden I'm like this, Jamie, I was like, <gasps> I grabbed my left arm and I'm feeling a needle in my oh arm my when they were putting it to Jasmine. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. So I, I want to know, like, does this translate to your prayer lives? Like when you're either praying together or we're going to sound so creepy, Jamie, but yes. I want to sometimes know. Jasmine, sometimes. Okay. So we have this inside language. So do you remember in Batman, like Batman would call the commissioner on the red phone? Well, there's actually a red phone emoji in like our, we have, we both have iPhones. And so sometimes she'll just send me a red phone emoji, like to let me know that she's praying for me. And it's at the creepiest times. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, I totally need to pray right now. So oh, we still wow. do that to this day. That's what I was wondering is, do you have like a knowing? Because, you know, we've yes. had podcast episodes on what um, my co-host Alana and I call intuitive intercession. It's like tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit, but also just your own intuition when you're praying mm. with someone and just really being sensitive to the cues that they're putting off to, mm. you know, but I can imagine that it's like times a thousand with the two of you. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. say times a thousand. I just think um we just times two. Times <laughs> two. There you go. Yeah, times two. I love it. Yeah. Well, I just I I cannot recommend enough. So you mentioned practical tools. This book is filled with like I have tons more questions that are 
all of these practical tools and explanations. We didn't even get to get into brain science, which is like one of my favorite things is brain science and <laughs> prayer. Um, but we're kind of running out of time. So listeners, you're just going to have to read the book because it is full of so much wisdom, encouragement, and just practical tips. Thank you. So um, I guess before we go, though, I just I definitely want um, I want you to let us know where can our listeners find you? Um, just find your book, find, find you on Absolutely. social media. Where do you like yeah. to hang out? They can go to BiancaOltoff.com. Um, the book is available at Target, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, um, for people who pre-order. And also the first week that the book comes out, it comes out uh, August 29th. And we have a bunch of free giveaways and also uh, free gifts for people who pre-order. There is a six-week uh, Bible study curriculum called Seed at the Table, where I give live recipes with a chef, a Napa-trained chef, and as well as teaching through the book of Luke, because Jesus, in the book of Luke, Jesus is either going to a dinner party, at a dinner party, or leaving a dinner party. So I decided, let's teach the book of Luke in a kitchen and give away recipes that people can invite people over and read the Bible with. Um, there's also some gritty challenges and giveaways. I just, this feels like a party, and I would love to celebrate that there are people that are choosing to be gritty and choosing not to grit and quit because grit don't quit. I love that. All right. Well, we will, we'll let everybody know about that in our notes. Um, and we're going to close in prayer. So how can we pray for you today? Pray for me, pray for my family and pray for our church. Absolutely. Well, Bianca, thank you. I know you're really busy and it has been a huge blessing. I told you beforehand, before we started recording, like you've been on my list for so long to come on. And I just, I'm so thankful. Look at God. He made it yeah. happen. He made thank it happen. You, hey, thank you for trusting me. I appreciate you. God bless you. And all the listeners out there can't wait to connect online. Thank you. All right. Well, let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for Bianca and just the, the fire that you've placed in her heart to, to share um, your word to share about the transformational power of Jesus, to share about perseverance in a day when quitting and canceling seems to be at the top of our list of things that we're encouraged to do. Um, Father, we just lift her up to you, God, body, mind, and spirit. We pray for your blessings on her now and that you would just place protection around her, that you would protect her from any attacks from the enemy during this critical time before the launch of her book. Um, we just ask that you would give her peace, that you would give her certainty and just a, a knowing that you are in this every step of the way of this book launch, that you would open doors, that you would cut through red tape, that you would open the floodgates for opportunities for this book to get out to more women than she ever dreamed possible. Mm -hmm. And that there would be transformation that happens, Lord. We pray that women that didn't even know the name of Jesus would get this book and would become Christians. We pray that women whose faiths have gone stale would just have resurrected faith and, and resurrected, resurrected prayer lives um, and interaction with you. We just pray that where there's brokenness and um, just trauma, that there would be healing and restoration and redemption. God, you are such a redeemer. We give you thanks and praise that you are a redeemer. You take the broken things and you put them back together in, in incredible ways to make them stronger and more beautiful and more lasting than, than even the things we thought we wanted or the things that we thought we needed to hold on to. So God, we just pray you would go before her in every way, give her 
vision for next steps, order her thoughts for what's next for her, for her work and her ministry. Um, Lord, we just pray for her family. We ask for each member of her family to just be held tightly in the palm of your hand, that you would just love them, bind them together in unity, God, that nothing would separate them from each other or from you, and that they would just continue to to pursue you. And as they grow closer to you, that they would draw closer together. And Lord, I just pray for their church. Thank you for this church, Lord. And we know that that church plants are, I just can't imagine all of the, the facets and the moving parts and the challenges and the hats that have to be worn. We just pray, um, we pray for Bianca and her husband that you would equip them with everything that they need. Well, we know that you've already equipped them, Lord. We just pray they would walk in that, that they would see it that they would never be derailed by um, by any lies from the enemy to the contrary, and that you would show them glimpses just when they need it of your provision of your um, of your work, even in the things that are hard. And and we just claim that and pray that over them, God, that you would pour out your spirit on their congregation, and that revival would um, would result um, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you. So please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show. And we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.